Dr. Glenn DeLang and Loretta DeLang in our ensemble. Uh, we've had a quartet throughout the summer, but to have the full ensemble back just brings great joy and music to this sanctuary. And next week, we'll have the entire choir back. So uh, welcome back. It's great to have you here. Over the course of the summer, we've been sharing stories from the biblical narratives. And now with kickoff Sunday, we begin again in the lectionary texts. We try each year to expose ourselves as a congregation to a variety of the voices of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, letters and epistles, gospels, psalms. And this fall, we begin with the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And uh, throughout the fall, we're going to be looking at some texts that are probably unfamiliar to many of you from the prophets. But we begin this morning with the book of Hebrews. I'm reading from the 13th chapter, beginning with the first verse. And I invite you to listen for God's word for you. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, and those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave or forsake you. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? And so, dear God, we have come to hear your word. Teach us what we need to know and help us to do what we ought to do. For we pray in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You know, maybe you did, as I did this week, catch uh, the news about the story of this fourth grade teacher who is new to his class in Chicago, Mr. Dwayne Reed. He produced a rap video to welcome his new fourth graders into his class. And the video went viral. Something like 635,000 views so far on YouTube. He was on the national news this week on Good Morning America. A creative way to get the attention of kids on the first day of class. 
At the start of a new school year, there is always so much that's possible. But how you begin sets the tone for everything that follows the rest of the year. You have to somehow get students to want to learn. They need to believe in something that's greater than themselves, and they have to believe it's worth the effort to learn. So let me take us back a few decades ago to an earlier generation of students. In a movie that won an Oscar for the best screenplay in 1980, starring Robin Williams and entitled The Dead Poets Society. The film begins with a scene on the first day of the new academic year in a class. It's a very expensive and a very demanding prep school somewhere in New England. And while all the other instructors in the school are going over their course syllabi and delineating the stringent requirements that the new semester will bring, the grading criteria, a new English professor, Professor John Keating, dares to approach learning with unexpected freshness and depth. As the boys are waiting anxiously at their desks, the new teacher strolls right through the middle of the room and right out the back door. And the boys all look at each other wondering what to make of this and what they're supposed to do. And then Professor Keating sticks his head in the back of the room momentarily and simply says, well, come on. The class slowly rises, a little confused, and follows into the hall where they soon find themselves standing before the school trophy case. And as they look at the pictures encased there of class officers and athletes from the school's storied past, students and teams of bygone eras, the teacher describes to them, these two were boys full of dreams and hopes and disappointments and mischief. In other words, these boys in these pictures are just like the ones standing in the hallway now, yet they've all gone. They've all grown old. And then the, the boys are invited to lean into the trophy case to hear what they have to say. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day, boys. Don't let life and the opportunity that is presented to you pass you by. Make your lives extraordinary. Now our text from Hebrews today is very practical advice about how to live. Especially when we're tempted to lose heart and to grow weary of the demands of living. It's written to people who are under duress in the first century. And it's good advice for people under duress in any century. Chapter 11 of Hebrews is the great hall of faith. It's like that trophy case in the Dead Poets Society, the lives of Abraham and Sarah, of Noah and Jacob and Esau, and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Samson are all identified there 
and celebrated along with their faith. And then chapter 12 of Hebrews becomes the climax of the book. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And then chapter 13 is the conclusion with practical advice about how to live out the implications of our faith. Let love, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Remember those in prison. Let marriage be held in honor. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Don't let despair creep into your hearts and minds. You have to believe in something greater than yourself, and you have to believe it's worth the effort, that your faith can make a difference. Now, we've had some great images and illustrations this summer of running with perseverance at the Olympics in Rio. Mo Farah was born in Somalia, he emigrated to Britain when he was eight years old to escape the civil war in his own country to join his father who was already living there. He's a devout Muslim and he runs for his adopted country, England. Mo Farah successfully defended his titles this year in the 10,000 and 5,000 meters. He was the only British athlete to win three gold medals. If you saw the final race in the 10,000, you saw Mo Farah stumble and fall at the beginning of the race. And then he got back up and he won the race, taking gold. Now that's running with perseverance the race that's before you. You get up and you keep going. Great Britain showed hospitality to a Somali family in crisis. And now they have three goals from Rio to celebrate. Or perhaps you saw the women's 5,000 meter semifinal race where the Olympic spirit was on display this summer. United States' Abby D'Agostino fell over New Zealand's Nikki Hamblin on the inside track. And rather than get up and just plow onward, Abby stopped to assist Nikki and help her up off the ground. And you can see the disappointment in both faces. Continuing on in the race, it became clear that Abby's injury to her ankle from the fall was a problem, and she again collapsed to the ground. This time it was Nikki Hamblin who came to her aid, checking to see if she was okay. And Abby eventually completed the race and who was waiting for her at the finish line but Nikki Hamblin and they embraced with smiles before Abby was taken from the track in a wheelchair now that's racing with perseverance that's more than just individual accomplishment that's the power of togetherness that lifts us and it encourages even rivals to become their best selves.
Let mutual love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. You see, I think you and I are engaged in a great race together. We depend on one another for our life and for faith in this community together. Others have gone before us here, and others will follow us here. But now is our time. Now it's up to us to seize this day. We are affected by the stumbles and falls of each other. We also can help one another to finish the race. In fact, we can carry one another all the way to the finish line to our final resting place, which is our baptismal covenant with one another. So we're engaged in this great effort to seize our moment in time and to live extraordinary lives together. That's the Holy Spirit showing up. So now I'm really going to get going. You see, faith not only gives us courage and energy for the race, it gives us direction as well. And faith in Jesus Christ calls us to run in a different direction than those around us. The one who tries to save their life will lose it. The one who loses their life for the gospel will find it. It's better to give than to receive. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. The gate is narrow. The road is hard that leads to life. Not only are we in this race together, you and I are racing in a different direction from those around us. It was July 1938. Douglas Corrigan tops off the fuel tank of his tiny 1929 Curtis Robin monoplane. Moments later, Corrigan lifts off from the East Coast's Floyd Bennett Airfield. His plane is hardly state-of-the-art. Cabin door is tied shut with baling wire. He has two compasses, and that's the sum total of his navigational instruments. And Corrigan's flight plan shows that he's heading west across the interior of the United States. His destination, Long Beach, California. But something goes wrong. Something goes terribly wrong. And 29 hours later, Corrigan lands the plane near Dublin. Not Dublin, California, the real Dublin, Dublin, Ireland. Remarkably, Corrigan flew east instead of west, crossing the entire Atlantic Ocean. And that day, that flyer earned the title, Wrong Way, Corrigan. <laughs> now, how do you explain a navigational blunder like that? Well, he claimed one compass didn't work at all, and the other one so malfunctioned that it pointed his plane 180 degrees in the wrong direction. 
And for 60 years until his death in 1995, Corrigan insisted that when he landed and he saw the Irish instead of Californians, when he came to stop his taxi, it surprised him. But there's very good reason to believe that Corrigan knew what he was doing. That his famous flight was no accident. Lindbergh flew a solo flight across the Atlantic on May 21st, 1927. And fascinated by that accomplishment, Corrigan took up flying. He paid $310 for his monoplane, which his friends derided as a crate. And by 1938, there were still only 10 pilots who had matched Lindbergh's pioneer flight across the Atlantic. But Corrigan had a problem. The Department of Commerce had inspected his plane and rejected his request for a transatlantic flight. They said his airplane was unsafe, it didn't pass inspection, it was low quality, it was slipshod. So Corrigan's dream was postponed and he accepted the government's ruling announced his intention to go home. It was time to relax. It was time to retool. Corrigan climbed into his crate, and he took off for California and landed in Ireland. So on July, 20, July 17, 1938, Douglas Corrigan achieved international celebrity, and people regarded him as a hero of adventure and daring. Sometimes you have to go the wrong way to get the right thing done. God's son on a cross? How wrong that seems. Yet it's part of God's merciful plan to come the wrong way for the purpose of claiming us as his own. Seize the day. This day and this season in our life together is full of possibilities. Go the wrong way intentionally. Enter the narrow gate. Take the hard road because it leads to life. Make up your mind this morning that a token effort at living your faith is no longer acceptable to you. And let's run this race together. Let mutual love continue. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. No great thing is ever accomplished without faith and belief that it's possible. And so today we begin again. Sometimes you have to go the wrong way to get the right Thing done through Jesus Christ then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that confess his name do not neglect to do good share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God amen